Welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church. No matter where you are on life's journey, no matter what you believe or doubt, no matter how much or how little you have, no matter your race, gender, or immigration status, and no matter whom you love, you are beloved, belong, and are welcome. We say these words every Sunday to remind ourselves that even though the world sometimes places limits on belovedness or worth, God doesn't. So friends, welcome. Good morning. And welcome to worship here at Edmonds United Methodist Church. It is a beautiful Sunday morning, and it's always a beautiful day to be together. And my name is Donna Pritchard. I'm the pastor appointed to serve this church. And I'll let you introduce yourself. Good morning. I'm Nora Carlson. I'm your liturgist for today. And then I would have the great privilege of introducing someone many of you already know. This is the Reverend Ken Burr. Uh, Ken and his wife have been worshiping with us for about two years. Uh, Ken is ordained through the Free Methodist Church and then recognized by the American Baptist Church when he realized he needed to be in an open and affirming denomination. <laughs> so Ken is bringing the uh, message for us today and we want to welcome him and thank him very much. It's a privilege to be here today and I haven't had to preach for a long time and I'm looking forward to sharing something in my heart with all the rest of you who are probably in sync with me. I am expecting that. So. Anyway, thanks for being here. Yeah. All right. So if you would um, fill out the Connect card that is in the pews, it's also a QR code in the bulletin, and then uh, that will let us know not only that you're here, but especially important is if you have a prayer request that you would like to share with me, um, those will be received and will be prayed over uh, accordingly. Let's take a moment to welcome those who are worshiping online. Friends, welcome. One other quick kind of announcement type of thing before we get started, because you're gonna wanna pay really close attention today to all of the music, but especially to the instrumental music, because today is the last uh, Sunday, official Sunday for Susan Bloomfield, who has been our organist. Susan tells me she's taken another job, which does not allow her to be here on Wednesday nights for uh, choir rehearsal, and, uh, but she'll be on our sub list going forward. So we won't, we'll, we'll be able to see her again, but we appreciate all that she has given of her gifts and her graces over these many months. All right, now if you would stand in body or spirit for the call to worship. Gathering God, join as one family 
We come to worship you today. We are, we are mindful, mindful of, of the life you have called into being across countries and climates, all creatures and all creeds. Jesus, teacher friend, today you call us to your table and invite us to feed on you so that we might then feed others. Let our hunger for justice and our desire for peace never be exhausted until all your children are safe and fed. Life-giving spirit, let the words that reach our open ears and your movement in our souls in this time together bless, comfort, and disturb us. So that, so that the, the work, work of, of your servants, servants here may be directed on the right paths for the sake of, of the world. That is why we come to worship and join your table today. And now, my friends, living together on the ancestral lands of the Coast Salish peoples, we invite you to share with one another the peace of Christ by any signs that are uh, easy and familiar and feel comfortable to both you and your partner. The peace of Christ be with you all. And also, and also with you. Peace. Peace of Christ. Turn this up. Yes. <laughs>
Good morning, children. You can come on up this morning. And I'm going to have you sit on the carpet right here, looking up at me, because I have something to show you. So go ahead and sit down over here. So you can face up here. Good work. Okay. So today is a very special Sunday because it is World Communion Sunday. So I've been trying to learn some new languages. Do any of you know a different language than English? Do you? What do you? A little bit of Spanish. What do you know? And a little bit of Korean. Wow, good. Okay, well, you can help me learn some of these words. So how would you guess you say this? Kind of tricky. I think it's dishuri. I think. I might be saying that incorrectly. Dishuri. And dishuri means love in Albania. So if you can see where Albania is, it's kind of across the sea from Italy. Dishuri. Here's another one. What language do you think this is? Japan. Yes, that is. It's Japan. And it also means love. I is how we say it. There's Japan, the island of Japan. Okay, I think you say this one. Dragoste. Dragoste. What do you think it means? Patty. Love. Yes, it means love in Romania. Rome. Yeah. Wow, who saw that coming, he says. Uh, okay, this is a final one. I bet you can guess. What language is this? English, love, love. So today we're celebrating love and we're celebrating all of these different languages, but it's still, we can still speak the same language even if we're speaking different languages. And then there's all these universals among us, like what are some nonverbal ways that we show love? A language that unites us, that you don't speak, can you think? Yeah. Sign language, that's a good one. Did you have a thought too? You were gonna say sign language also? Yeah, and maybe laughter. That's nonverbal, but it tends to mean love. A smile, play. And then in the church, we also think about communion. Communion unites us in love. So today is a day where we're celebrating communion across the world, in Albania, in Romania, in the United States, all over. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay, let's say a prayer. God, we give you great thanks for loving us so that we can love others. May we steep in your belovedness. Amen.
Today's New Testament scripture is found in the book of Acts, written about 30 years after Jesus died. And scholars believe it to be a very reliable source, an account of the rise of Christianity in the first century, because it's very consistent with other Hellenistic historiographies of its time. It's in sync with culture and happenings of the world. This collection of stories was written from many, gathered from many different sources and narrated by Luke, one of Jesus' disciples, who is to verify the amazing movement of this Holy Spirit in the first century, known at that time simply as the way. In this book, we see how the Holy Spirit, as promised by Jesus, is continually opening doors for all kinds of people previously seen excluded from God's grace. Jews are learned to make room for Christian Jews. Christian Jews have to make deal with Greek Jews. Greek Christians have to deal with Gentiles after the Spirit reveals old purity codes that kept Jewish sect people separate must be retired in order to make room for the true presence of God and all the peoples of the world. Proselytes are entering God's kingdom from sources previously unimaginable. And by the time we get to chap Acts chapter 8, the Holy Spirit has totally messed up the status quo of established religion. Jesus' ministry is continuing as a movement that is progressive and increasingly accepting unto the ends of the world. And Pentecost bloom with tongues of fire. Men are prophesying about the true nature of loving God and people from every country that is present are overjoyed to hear these prophecies in their native tongue, and they're amazed. Soon after, get this, women are included in church leadership. I know, it's amazing, I know. Lay people are sent out to preach the good news at the way of life offered by Jesus, and the newly formed church grows in numbers every day. The way of Jesus is the way. The story we're about to hear from Luke 8 tells us how the Spirit pushes the edges of established religion by extending itself to perhaps the most unlikely candidate. Good morning, church. My name, my name is Vani Trott. Please rise in whatever ways are meaningful to you for the reading of the scripture. The first scripture lesson today is a reading from Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 8 through 11 in the Common English Bible Version. My plans aren't your plans, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my plans than your plans. Just as the rain and the snow come down from the sky and don't return there without watering the earth, making it conceive and yield plants and providing seed to the sower and food to the eater, so is my word that comes from my mouth. It does not return to me empty. Instead, it does what I want and accomplishes what I intend. The second reading is from Acts chapter 8, verse 8, verses 26 through 39. An angel from the Lord spoke to Philip. At noon, take the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he did. Meanwhile, an Ethiopian man was on his way home from Jerusalem, 
where he had come to worship. He was a eunuch and an official responsible for the entire treasury of Candace. Candace is the title given to the Ethiopian queen. He was reading the prophet Isaiah while sitting in his carriage. The spirit told Philip, approach this carriage and stay with it. Running up to the carriage, Philip heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you really understand what you're reading? The man replied, without someone to guide me, how could I? Then he invited Philip to climb up and sit with him. This was the passage of scripture he was reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was taken away from him. Who can this tell the story of his descendants because his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me about whom does the prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Starting with the passage, Philip proclaimed the good news about Jesus to him. As they went down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, water, what could keep me from being baptized? He ordered that the carriage halt. Both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water where Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Lord's spirit suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. The final reading is also from Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35. Peter said, I really am learning that God doesn't show partiality to one group of people over another. Rather, in every nation, whoever worships him and does what is right is acceptable to him. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Please join in singing the hymn of preparation. <clears throat>
Well, good morning, church. We have been worshiping in this church for about a year, anonymously, sitting back there, taking it in, not having to pay anything, not paying attention, not being involved. And one day, Pastor Ann approached me during the passing of the peace, and the big smile whispered in my ear, good morning, Reverend Burr. And I said, busted. <laughs> Someone's been talking. And she said, yep, the cat's out of the bag. So it's true. I was ordained 30 years ago, plus over, over 30 years ago in the Free Methodist Church, where I grew up. I pastored two churches there, and I felt a need to be a part of, some, of an opening and affirming congregation that fully accepted and supported people in the, the LBGTIQ community. We started starting attending a welcoming American Baptist Church, and they graciously acknowledged my ordination. And then I spent a few years in the, in the United Church of Christ. So I guess when we started seeking a church, we just, closer to home, we just kind of showed up here one day, and uh, we haven't left. <laughs> so I guess you could say I'm kind of a free Baptist congregational Methodist or something like that, <laughs> or an F-M-C-A-B-C-U-C-C-U-M-C for short. But for the past 25 years, my ministry has been as a marriage and family therapist in private practice. We're often ministered to people on the outer edges of traditional spirituality. A few weeks ago, when reading Richard Rohr's daily meditation, I noticed this term, edge walkers. Edge walkers, he said, are people rooted in the gospel of Christ, but acknowledge there's no one way to follow Jesus. And the more I thought about it, the more I identified with that thought. Maybe you do as well. Because if you walk the road with Jesus long enough, your perceptions change. And you see the overwhelming, breathtaking diversity of humanity in all its glory, and you cannot be the same anymore. So set the table wide. We got company. Upon the traditions of my folks and Shelly's folks, whenever we host at a family event, she's cooking up a storm, I go into the closet. But I come out with a pair of leaves in the table. The table, dining room table, could now seat eight, 10 in a pinch if we all kept our arms to our sides, the left-handers on one side. When the family gatherings began to enlarge, we needed a bigger tabletop. So I got out my circular saw, a few pieces of big uh, plywood, made a top that overextended the table by nine inches on every side. In order to lift it and carry it around, I cut it into three pieces and expertly stitched together with my expert test, uh, knowledge of duct tape. <laughs> Covered with a sheet and a tablecloth, and you know, we had a beautiful table for 14. <laughs> but now the extended table is gone, and the extended family is gathered to, at times, 35, 40 people, and at times, that old table is set aside, and we now we're at a buffet banquet on the countertops and card tables so everyone can serve themselves and grab the seat wherever they can find it. It's a bit chaotic at times, but in our family, there's always someone who brings a guest. And they say, there's always room for more. And the comment is, we're all family today. It doesn't matter. We're all family today. It doesn't matter. As Edmund United Methodist continues to make room for others, it helps us to remember that we are living in times in the spirit of God 
continues to shake up the status quo. We experienced a lot of this the last three years, haven't we, with COVID-19? People died. We pulled inward. We're isolated from ourselves. We're afraid to come into public buildings. We're afraid of fear and disease and death. And we were, it took a lot to relearn how to be a social being again after the storm has passed. And now to sit down in a room like this and share a feast together, it's new stuff. But COVID also showed us how to slow down our thoughts and re-examine our spirituality and what it means to be church. And you know what, folks? It's never going to be the same again. We'd rather lament the old days. We need to learn how to keep up with the Spirit because she often moves in ways that are surprising and faster than any of us can process or accept. Society is searching for new paths of enlightenment. We're looking beyond the walls of the traditional church, rejecting toxic notions of God that keep us separate from ourselves and each other. I got a couple ideas today about this. Well, I got more than two, but I'll show you two right now. One, you need to let go of those text toxic theologies that keep God as this tyrant, this judging tyrant who burns us or shuns us if we mess up or live outside their traditional norms. Two, let go of the poor psychology that accompanies that, that keeps us captive in the insecurity, unforgiveness, not being enough and scarcity that keeps us distant from each other. These two things go in hand because when the spiritual life is synced up, our psychology life flourishes. So just for today, I'd like you to consider the word atonement different than the one maybe you grew up with, with and the substitution atonement idea that God can only accept you because he killed his son to satisfy judgment. Instead, I like us to think for this hour, as that word is at one an acknowledgement of Jesus' ministry that brought people in from the margins, from the edges of society, by giving them hope, acceptance, and a life based on love. God did not need Jesus to come down and change his mind about us. God needed Jesus to change our mind about God. I'm going to say that again. God sent Jesus to change our perceptions about God. If only we could grasp how much we are loved and accepted by God, the doubts and fears and wars of this world would certainly begin to fade because true love, <laughs> true love, true love, true love and acceptance is the only thing that really transforms the human heart. So we need to spread the table wide because we got company coming. One of my favorite passages from Acts 8, which you heard read a few minutes ago. The Spirit of God is becoming an edge walker who pushes the utmost limits of traditional faith. Philip is one of the apostles, the commissioned apostles after the 12, who had become a successful preacher in Samaria. He had all kinds of followers. He was doing miracle working and casting out demons. Crowds were coming around him. His church was full and overflowing. He was having a good salary. I'm just thinking of today's CEO of big churches. Like the big box church is booming. It is amazing. And the Spirit of God comes to him and says, you need to leave and head to the desert. 
I'll let you know what, what that looks like later on. So he ends up walking into the desert. We're talking, we're talking a place only rocks grow. Rocks and sand and twisted, twist, twisted uh, plants and stuff like that. Um, we're talking about the Gaza Strip. Smack in the middle of nowhere. And while Philip is walking, he sees an ornate chariot on the Gaza Road, carrying a resplendently dressed Ethiopian eunuch surrounded by security guards, and he is the national treasurer of Ethiopia. And he's returning from a pilgrimage to Jerusalem where he undoubtedly had heard something about this Jesus guy and the rumors about a messiah. The eunuch is reading a scroll. He probably bought it at the Bethlehem souvenir store, you know, for a little light, light reading on the way home, on the road trip. But he got this passage from Isaiah 53 about this person who's going to suffer and who would not retaliate even to the point of murder. You know, this regal official is well educated. This is a confusing passage. So Philip is molded by the spirit, run alongside and say, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand it? And the man says, how can I unless someone explains it? And Philip climbs up in the chariot and they have this discussion about what this message really means. I love this scene. Here is a seeker from a foreign culture. No doubt a man of tender spirit on a spiritual pilgrimage from Jerusalem. Probably a proselyte, maybe a man, a wannabe Jew. He has been excited to see the elaborate buildings of Jerusalem and this renowned, world-renowned, splendid temple. Impressive sights, no doubt. But perhaps also he's looking for a faith to be part of. But I wonder what he is told when he, about his chances of becoming really included. Most likely, everywhere he went, either the subtle message or the overt message would have been, you will never measure up. You will never have full acceptance in this crowd. You're a foreigner. You're not one of us. You're a Gentile, you're a black man. And at the best, all those conditions, he'd be on the outsides of the temple somewhere, on the outside of the, of the crowd, always for his life. But the biggest hit he would have had was he was also a eunuch. And he would be considered unclean, not good enough because of his genitals. He would have been told he would never be acceptable in God's sight. And here he is reading a passage from Isaiah 53, of all things, that says, in his humiliation, the Messiah, was deprived of justice and had no descendants because his life was taken from him. And I wonder, how could he not read this and identify the person of this text? And see, humiliated, deprived of offspring, a life taken from me. This sounds like my life. Now, was this man sterilized by others so he could serve the queen and the consorts uh, so he would not impregnate them? Or was he born this way? We have no way of knowing. But the word eunuch in, that, in these times would be certain he could describe anyone who is with a gender or sexuality outside the norm. And yet, driven by the spirit, this tender soul will not rest until he's a meaningful 
and inclusive spirituality, which is why he asked Philip, can you make sense of this to me? And they have this conversation. And Philip explains, Jesus was that Messiah. He's the image of the invisible God. He shows the way of eternal life, a life filled with acceptance, a life with love without limits, a life that can be lived to the fullest. And he sees an oasis, I think, in the desert, and he says, hey, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized now? And he orders the chariot to stop, and Philip jumps out with him on the spot. No need to change clothes. No need for six months of catechism. No need to come up with the annual pledge. Sorry, Donna. No need to be perfect. No need to apologize because he didn't fit the stereotypes of the day. Only a seeking faith and God's instant acceptance and emotional spiritual healing. This man will never sell himself short again. I wonder, how do we catch ourselves labeling, judging, and stereotyping the others in our own lives? We all have these biases. The problem when our biases get triggered, our world gets small, and our thinking gets really limited. And I don't know about you, but do I need wisdom to let go of the control or the judging or dismissing of others? I need to listen to the gospel of Paul McCartney, who says, maybe you can help me with this one. Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be, speaking with wisdom, let it be. When we see the Spirit moving in the rest of the book of Acts, Saul is literally blinded with insight in chapter 9. The Spirit turns him from a murderous zealot steeped in righteous anger into a Paul, the apostle of grace. By the time we get to chapter 10, things are just flying through the Spirit here. Peter has this disturbing dream of pigs and snakes and birds and things all mixed together in a big tent. And God says, kill these and eat these unthinkable things for a man, a Jewish man with dietary restrictions. Eventually, the meaning of the vision becomes clear. And Peter says, ah, salvation is in the Gentiles too. And he declares what that last verse I had read today. I now realize God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. The way of Jesus is good news for every race and gender and sexuality. No one's excluded from the inclusive loving arms of God. So we've got to spread the table wide because we've got company coming, folks. I wonder why you came to this church. Was it the location close to home? Was it the choir and the music? Actually, the first time it came, it was the Christmas Eve service. It was like, whoa. That's awesome. <laughs> was it the trans rights or human rights sign out front? However you arrived, I'm going to postulate you showed up here by some movement of the spirit you don't yet even understand. Embracing the mystery surrounding us, we now celebrate hosting an open table of fellowship without limits or restrictions. Today we can bring our whole selves to this table. Say we gather around the fellowship together and we take the bread and we take the wine to sustain us following the way of Jesus that is really confusing at times and out of the comfort zones but into the greatest life possible. This annual celebration on World Communion Sunday is supposed to be a day of oneness. 
a day that brings us into atonement with the Spirit and each other. And the story of the Ethiopian eunuch says it all. The person who had no hope of full acceptance declared whole by the grace and the love of the message of Jesus. So on this world-wide day of at-one-ment, we recognize our connection with mainline Methodists and Lutherans and Presbyterians, conservative evangelicals, Catholics, Pentecostals, Unitarians, Celtic Christians, Quakers, Buddhists. Where's the limit? I'm not sure where the limit is today. Because what's Peter say? God shows no favoritism, but accepts every person who fears God and does what's right. I'll close with the wisdom story here. A, ma a master asked his disciples, how do you know when light, night is over and day has arrived? And the first disciple says, oh, master, night is over and day has arrived. When the cloud lifts, I can see that my neighbor's house is different than my house. Another disciple says, well, no, night is over and day has arrived when the animal in the field I know is mine and not my neighbor's. The third disciple says, I think night is over and day has arrived when I can distinguish the colors of the flower in the field. No, said the master. Why do you see only separations? The only way you know night is over and day has arrived is when you look in the face of your brother and sister and see that you are one. And then and only then, we know that night has gone and day has arrived. Spread the table wide, folks. We got company coming. Amen. As we come to a time of prayer, please take a moment to read through the prayer list on the back of the bulletin. 
And note that I have two prayers to add. First, we're asking prayers of strength and patience for Bill Lambert, who was hospitalized this week. And prayers of celebration for my new granddaughter. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, who is named Ruth Donna Brazil and was born finally at seven o'clock yesterday morning. Loving God, you are ever closer to us than our next breath. You know our needs before we ask and our ignorance in asking. So hear us now as we pray into the silence for those in need of healing, strength, direction, or love. Jesus prayed that we might be one, one in spirit, one in mission, in union and communion with each other and with you. Gracious God, it seems we talk a good game about unity, but we don't necessarily like to play it. We claim unity on our own home court and with our own rules, we talk about being on the same team, but too often ignore those who don't play the same way we do, or we tell them they're doing it wrong. Remind us today that our churches, our neighborhoods, and our homes are not places to demonstrate our superiority, but our humility. You came to us as one of us, you came to heal and to love and to feed and to encourage. You still call us into the work of justice and compassion. Why we think we own a corner on the truth is beyond us. Forgive us, God, when we get stuck on words, so many words, and forget about actions that heal, that love, that feed that encourage. On this World Communion Sunday, give us eyes to recognize your reflection in the eyes of people everywhere. Give us a mind to accept and celebrate our differences. Give us a heart big enough to love your creation everywhere. For we do thank you for setting a table with space enough for all of us. Amen. Hello again. Um, I invite us into a time of giving. The offering plates will be passed in the sanctuary, and I encourage you to be generous as God has been generous to us. If you are joining online, you can give in two ways. You can go to edmondsumc.org give, or send a check to Edmonds United Methodist Church, 828 Casper Street, Edmonds, Washington, 98020. 
Thank you very much for supporting the staff and ministries here at Edmonds United Methodist Church.
<laughs> Worth waiting for. <laughs> Thank you, Denny. You always have to hurry back there. Very, very busy. <laughs> Thank you. Generous God, all you have created is good, and your love endures forever. You bring forth bread from the earth and fruit from the vine. Nourish us with these gifts that we might be for the world, signs of your gracious presence. Accept our gifts and our lives that the world and our people may praise your name. May it be so. Amen. Please be seated. Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to our Lord, our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is indeed right to give you our thanks and praise, O God, for you watch over the strangers and the needy and raise us up from death to new life. You've made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them. You raised up prophets among your people and through them spoke your word of life and truth. Jesus lived among us as one who showed compassion, opened the eyes of the blind, lifted up those who were bowed down, gave food to the hungry, and set free prisoners of death. When the powers of death rose against him and destroyed him, you spoke your word of life again, raising him to new life as a revelation of your grace who will reign forever in justice and truth. And so, we lift our voices, filled with joy, joining them to glad songs of every place and every generation, all creation, praising your name and saying, Holy, 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 holy Lord God, God of power and might, heaven, heaven and earth are full of your glory. glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is one who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. As we come to this table with siblings around the world this day, we remember the last time Jesus gathered with his friends around the Passover meal. We remember how he took bread, gave thanks for it, broke it, and gave it to his friends, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. As often as you drink, eat it, remember me. When the supper was over, Jesus took the cup, gave thanks to you, O God, and then gave it to his friends, saying, This is the cup of salvation poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sin and the wholeness of life. As often as you drink from this, remember me. We thank you, God, that your spirit is poured out on all people 
Send your spirit now on us and on these gifts of bread and cup, that we may know Christ's presence real and true, and be his faithful followers, showing your love for the world. The bread, the life of Christ, broken. The cup of salvation poured out for all people. These are the gifts of God for all the people of God. So we pray together now the prayer which Jesus taught. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For thine is the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. I'd like to invite the servers to come forward at this time. table is set. If you need gluten-free elements, they will be available at the center aisle. We invite you to come as the ushers indicate, take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and return by the side aisles to your seats.
Gracious God, you have called us to your table. You fed us with your love. Now we will be free to share that love with all we meet. Help us to do so. Thanks be to God. Amen. application today for the Mission Endowment Funds, and there's more information in the bulletin about that. Um, also, next Sunday at 10 o'clock here in the sanctuary, feel free to bring your animals for the blessing of the animals, uh, preferably on leashes or in cages, whatever works. And um, if you are someone who's not a big fan of being around animals, the balcony will be an established animal-free zone. <laughs> so please don't let it scare you away from worship. And um, don't forget the strategic planning uh, retreat on November 11th. I'm going to keep announcing that to make sure it's on everyone's calendar. And I believe those are the announcements that needed to be made this morning. And let's stand and sing together the closing hymn.
here in the sanctuary a contemplative service. May God grant you the grace to never sell yourself short. Grace to rig something big for something good. Grace to remember the world now is too dangerous for anything but truth and too small for anything but love. Amen.
Susan, what's next for you? 